Psalm 91. This is, a, this is a scripture that my dad and my mom spoke over us on a nightly basis all the time. I know it by heart. And I want to read it to you real quick. If you have your Bibles open there, otherwise you can look to the screen. It says, They who dwell in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save me from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover me with His feathers, and under His wings I will find refuge. His faithfulness will be my, be my shield and rampart. I will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, it will not come near me. Only with my eyes will I behold and see the reward of the wicked. I'm saying a little different translation as I've memorized it. Will I behold and see the reward of the wicked? If I say the Lord is my refuge and make the most high my dwelling, no disaster will befall me, no plague will come near my tent. For he will command his angels concerning me to guide me in all my ways. They will lift me up that I won't dash my foot against the stone. I will tread upon the lion and the cobra and trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he or she loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue and protect them. For they all acknowledge my name. They will call upon me and I will answer. I will be with them in times of trouble. I will deliver and honor them. With long life, I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. I want to encourage you, if you haven't already memorized this passage, this will stick with you for the rest of your life. I want to read one other uh, passage to you real quick. And it's 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 4 through 6. It says this. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day, the evils, the, the culture, would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons and daughters of the light. Sons and daughters of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but remain awake and aware. I want to speak on this idea, don't freak out. Don't freak out. Let's pray real quick and we'll get into it in the next 10 minutes. God, I pray that you help us to be focused us to be aware of what you're speaking to us as a whole and as individuals. God, we want to be the kind of people who, like we talked about earlier, that in this place that we honor one another, but that we, most importantly, that we honor you. God, our goal is that we would honor you, and as you do that, God, that this place truly would become like a magnet, that people from all walks of life would be able to find hope and life in you. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. How many of you, uh, you ever been left alone overnight? I'm about to be left alone overnight on Friday night. Noel is going to our ladies getaway at the church, and I will be alone with my kids. I'm, I'm excited to spend time with them. I'm not excited to be alone. I don't like being alone. Two years ago, I believe it was, actually during the women's retreat, uh, I was alone Trent actually came over. We both fell asleep watching a movie after Hayden went to sleep. He left about 9.30 or 10 because we are old men. And after he left, I think I started watching Maze Runner. Great movie. I enjoy those movies. <laughs> Thank you. He's excited about Maze Runner. So we started watching, I started watching Maze Runner. And 
and it's kind of a post-apocalyptic movie, right? So it's, it's kind of like, oh, what if that happened in real life? That's kind of scary. And, and so, so I'm watching the movie, and I fall asleep again about halfway through. And I wake up to hearing, I don't know if I ever told Noel this, but I hear pounding on the door. Just all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. So I jump up so quick, and I run to the door and slam it open. I can't find anyone. I run out to the street, run to the other side. I can't see anyone. My heart is pounding. I'm like, I want to go and kick someone, and I'm also freaked out because I know that if I did, they'd kick me back harder than I kicked them. And so I'm kind of scared. I got my kid upstairs, so I run back in, shut the door, and I just sit on the couch for a few minutes waiting, just waiting for someone to pound on the door again, hoping they don't because I'm scared. And I'm, I'm waiting, and, and I just, all right, I'm going to watch the movie again. So I hit play. About 20 minutes later, pounds on the door again. And so I jump up, and I can't find anyone. So what did I do? Like any man, I called the cops and said, there's guys, there's someone. I got my kid asleep upstairs, and I'm freaked out. Please come and survey the neighborhood. And they stop by later. They're like, we can't find anyone. And so I'm freaked out. I'm just kind of pounding. My heart's pounding. And I go to sleep. And I'm just waiting for something to happen. Can't sleep that night. Like you ever been kind of your heart's pounding. You're in your room. And all of a sudden you see your, your shirt hanging up in, on the closet against the window. And, and it's not a shirt. It's actually like the Grim Reaper. And because you're not 100% there, you're wondering, is it actually a person waiting to kill me? You ever had that? There's a shadow or something. So then the next day, I'm fine. There's no one. You know, we made it. We made it through the night. We made it. We were okay. And I'm outside doing something, taking the trash out or something like that. A neighbor kid walks by. He's like, hey, do you ever find out who hit your door last night? <laughs> I'm like, you got to be kidding, dude. You freaked me out. And suddenly, I wasn't, just, I wasn't scared anymore. Why? Because it was daytime. And Isn't it funny that sometimes the things that are in the middle of the night that don't deserve to scare you, scare you a lot more? They scare you a lot more. Why? Because your defenses are down, you're less aware, you're more tired, you're not, you're not necessarily waiting for something, you, it just, Colby, and, and it just, ha, it just scares you. Could be the littlest thing, could be the slightest noise, could be the littlest shadow, could be the smallest thought, but it freaks you out. And I was thinking about it as, you know, it's like, I want to read this scripture again to you, this one verse. It says, and, I, and the reason I like to say this over myself is because I like to confess this over my life, to be a truth in my life. I will not fear the terror of night, nor the air that flies by day, the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. And this is actually poetry, and he's contrasting two ideas. Dark and night, darkness and light, day. So he's contrasting these ideas. So if we rearranged it, we could read it like this. I'm not going to fear the terrors or the unknown things during the night. 
But I also won't feel the, fear the attacks and the destruction that I see during the day. See, nighttime represents darkness. It represents fear, Donovan, and loneliness, and waiting. It represents unseen things. It represents vulnerability. This is why I think it's appropriate that we read this other passage that says, but you're not in the darkness, that it should overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons and daughters of the light and of the day. We don't belong to the night or the darkness. So these two authors, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament and David in the Old Testament are saying the same thing. What are they saying? They're saying that though the darkness is a real thing, it is not in charge. Though the darkness is a real thing, it does not win. Though the darkness is a real thing. Friends, let's focus up here. Friends, we talked about a culture of dishonor. This is what we're talking about. We don't do this here. And if you want, you don't have to be here. I want to say it once and for all. If you want to be here... If it's one thing if it's your first time and you're a distraction, it's another thing if week after week, Donovan, week after week, we are creating a culture of disrespect and it's not going to happen anymore. And I'm not afraid to say it from right here because I'm done with it. Okay? Are we clear? I love you all. Let's get back to having fun. Okay. Paul and David are saying the same thing here. That the darkness is a real thing but that the darkness does not have the last word. In the original language, it says, when it says, you will not fear, it's actually the same word referring to fear of the Lord. The Bible says that we are to fear God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That word fear means to honor and respect and to give a place of authority in your life, to, to bring to the table and to put in charge of you, to submit yourself under. That's what fear means. So it's interesting that they use the same word there as they would say the fear of the Lord. It's not you won't be afraid of. Here's what the author is saying. Listen to this. I want you to hear this. When he says you will not fear the terror of night, the air that flies by day, you know what it says? You will not give in to. The, the terror of night. You will not give in to the arrow that flies by day. You will not let define you the things that define everybody else. You will not let overtake you these things that cause everybody else to freak out. You will not be subjected to them. So a lot of times what we think is that fearful things won't come at us. Friends, can I tell you and promise you they will. The question isn't will it come. The question is, will we be subject to them or, we will, or will we allow ourselves to get, step back and say, you know what, even though that's real, I'm not going to let it be in charge of me. This is what David's saying is, and what Paul is saying, the same thing. We're not children of the night, meaning we don't belong to it. The night doesn't rule us. We're in charge. So as many times as fear comes in and anxiety and depression and, and things that cause me to freak out, those things are not in charge of me. I am not subject to those things. I don't give myself over to them. The terrors of night, the attacks that come at me, 
the people that come against me, the people that try and, that, that, that try and criticize me for following Jesus, whatever it might be, those things are not in charge of me. And this is the issue that comes up, is that oftentimes we give power to the things that were never meant to be in charge of us. We give power to fear. We say, fear, you're in charge of me. Fear, I give you permission to do whatever you want. And and, and as a Christian, you and I are not called to allow those things to be in charge of us. We are called to be the kind of people who can say like David did, though a thousand may fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, it will not come near me. Only with my eyes will I see it. What is he saying? He's still going to see it. You're going to see evil. You're going to see destruction. You're going to have things come at me, come at you. You're going to have trials and difficulties. They are promised to come at you, but they will not overtake you unless you let them. I want to focus on this one idea because there's four ideas here. There's the, there's the, um, the terror of night represents fear and anxiety. There's the arrow that flies by day. It represents opposition. It's all the haters, which that's not what I'm talking about. If you have haters, probably the reason is because you're a jerk. But anyways, because opposition does not necessarily mean that it's just someone disagreeing with you. Because I got a lot of, you'll have a lot of people who disagree with you at times, and sometimes it's in love and you need to listen. A lot of people, every time somebody disagrees with their lifestyle, they say, you're just a hater. No, maybe the God sent them to your life to correct you. This is why God puts leadership in your life and authority. Why? Because you can't do it by yourself. Why do you think God set up the family? Why do you think God gave you parents and didn't just zap you into existence? Because you're born an idiot, just like me. You're born, in, you're born not ready. And as much as my three-year-old daughter is the sweetest thing ever, All I have to do is move her little crayon one inch. And I just broke her heart because she put the crayon where she wanted it. So we're born needing authority and correction. Why? Because we're not perfect and we need people to sharpen us. So don't take opposition as somebody you need to avoid. Sometimes you need to lean into opposition. You need to look for rebuke because you're not smart enough on your own. I'm not smart enough on my own. I need people who are sharper than me. I need youth pastors who have been doing it for 15 years. I have friends who are senior pastors now who were youth pastors five years ago. I learn from them. Why? Because I want to get better. Why? Because I'm not the best youth pastor ever. And as much as we got flowers in a card tonight, and I'm so thankful, I also know that that does not mean, wow, God, you really like me a lot, don't you? Man, you guys just think I'm the greatest. No, I still need to get better. Why? Because we all do. So I'm not talking about haters. I'm talking about when, when, when people make fun of you for following Jesus, when, when, when people laugh at you for going to church, when you could be going to the party, when, when people criticize you for wanting to live with character and say no to the things that everybody else says yes to. You don't have to fear it. That doesn't have to define you. doesn't have to overtake you. See, there's fear and anxiety. There's opposition. 
And there's when the disaster comes in the middle of the day, when things around you fall apart. But then there's this one, and I think it's so interesting, infection, the pestilence that stalks in the darkness. I'm going to invite the band to come forward, but I want to explain this. Pestilence represents this. It's the plague that sneaks around and spreads. One of the actual Hebrew definitions was the castle plague. The castle plague. And the only thing that I can relate to is I've got a three-year-old daughter and a five-month-old son. And any time that one of us gets sick, we all get sick. And you'll learn this when when you're a parent. Because as much as I can try and avoid it, my daughter is going to rub her snot on me. Not only that, she is going to look for any opportunity to also rub it all over the face of her little brother. So weeks recently, she was, she was sick and she had a little bit of a cold. And so to the best of our ability, we, we tried to keep Jude away from Hayden. But she, there was one time where she literally was near him and she's trying to talk to him and she's all snotty and gross and then she sneezes and the snot just goes all over him. And it's like, there comes a point when, as parents, you just, you throw your hands up, you're like, oh, gosh. As much as we try, we can't avoid it. And so Jude got sick, and then Noel gets sick, and I get sick. And from the beginning of the first sickness to the last of the last sickness, it's two, three weeks. The whole house is sick. Because what happens is it spreads. And here's the thing about an infection. An infection, I want you to hear this. An infection always reveals what you've been close to. An infection always reveals what you have been in close proximity to. So that means if you're infected with an attitude, guess what you've been close to? You've been close to that attitude. If you're infected with a continual gossip, And everywhere you go, all you can see is the flaws of other people. When you're infected with bitterness, anger, hatred, the need for revenge, what it reveals is that you've been in close proximity with the wrong thing. And what I would say to us tonight, if I leave us with anything, is get out of the castle. Get out of the place that is so full of the thing that you don't want in you because the reality is no one likes being sick. No one likes being sick. Everyone hates being sick. It takes you out. You miss out on the best thing. I mean, I, I, I hate missing stuff. Hate having to say, hey, I wish we could go, but we're sick. We don't want to get you sick too. Nobody likes that person who shows up to work, do they? Like, you ever had someone show up to work and, oh, and they, they, they think that they're just being like, uh, they're being a martyr, you know what I'm talking about? Like, they say, yeah, you know, I'm just a hard worker and so even though I'm really sick, I just decided to come to work today. And everyone around them is like, I hate you so much right now, go home, because I'm not trying to get sick too. Sometimes what you need to do is you need to kick some people and some attitudes and some ways of thinking out of your life 
because they're getting you sick. And you're bringing that infection and bringing it everywhere you go. The pestilence, the stalks in the darkness, you know what it is? It's the attitude that gets you when your guard is down. It's the, the, the stuff that comes at you when you're in close proximity with the wrong people and the wrong things. And it comes without you even trying to get it. It always reveals what you've been in close proximity to. What I want to do tonight, as we worship in just a moment, I want to get in close proximity with the kind of thing that is going to cause the right things to spread. That wherever we go, that we're not perpetuating negative attitudes, but instead we're perpetuating joy and peace and patience and love and compassion and acceptance. That everywhere we go, that what we're spreading is not the wrong attitudes. It's not hate. It's not bitterness. It's not dishonor. But instead, it's love. And what it takes, though, is we got to get out of the castle. You got to get out of the place that keeps infecting you. Some of you, every time you start to get better, you go back to that one friend, that one group of people who you know the way they live. You go back to that one house where as much as you want to be strong, you know that everyone else there is going in an opposite direction of you. And I'm not telling you that you need to say, guys, you're all wrong, you're all sinners, no. Let them watch you jump into the river and have so much floating, so much fun floating down that they want to follow you in. Some of us, we've been waiting so long with our toes in saying, hey guys, come on, come on, you're going to have fun. We took some leaders to Sam and Lissac in Eastern Washington recently, and I wanted to get up and just push some of them in because they wouldn't jump in. Because I know that when you jump in, that's where you have the fun. But I wasn't going to wait around for them to jump in, for me to jump in. You know what I did? I got up. I got to the edge of the cliff. I jumped in. I swam over to the dangerous log that you climb up to swing on the rope swing because that is the epitome of fun. And everyone else who didn't do it missed out because they're, a, a, you know, boring. Either that or they just, they, they like their life and don't want to fall. Some of you, you've been waiting to jump in because you want everyone else to jump in with you. The only way to get them to jump in is to see them, have them see you jump in first. Stop waiting around for everybody else. Because if you're not careful, their fear, their anxiety, their issues start to get, they start to rub off on you. And their fear, their attitude, their bitterness, it's the pestilence that stalks in the darkness. But we are the people of God, and we don't fear, meaning we don't submit to those things. Some people, it's, you don't have to be afraid of it. No, no, no. You don't submit to it. You don't give yourself over to it. But you got to give yourself over to something new. Would you jump in the river tonight? Come on, would you jump in the river tonight? Would you stand with me? I want you to close your eyes as you stand.
Service is not over yet. We're gonna worship. Close your eyes all around this room. I want you to close your eyes and here's what I want you to do. If you're in here, you're saying, you know what? I've been waiting my feet in so long, but I'm ready to jump all in. If that's you tonight, here's what I want you to do. In kind of an all-in type of way, I want you to lift your hands both up to heaven as if to say, God, I'm ready to jump in. I'm done wasting my time. I'm done going halfway. I'm done pretending. I'm done faking. I'm done living one way at school and another way at home and another way with this group of friends and another way with my parents. God, I'm done going halfway. I'm ready to go all in for you. I know it's cliche. It's the best decision you can make. Come on, are you ready to go all in with God? Are you ready to say, you know what? The way that everybody else lives is not the way that I live. I live in pursuit of God, in pursuit of the things of God, knowing that when I jump in, I get to, find, I get to have more fun than everybody. I get to have more of an adventure than everybody. I'm more fulfilled. I've got purpose. I've got future. I've got vision. Come on, are you ready to live life to the fullest? Are you ready to jump in tonight? Come on, if that's you, would you come to the front? We're gonna worship right now. And if you raised your hands, I want you to come right to the front. We're gonna, we're gonna sing tonight. And we believe that as we worship, as we lift the name of Jesus in our lives, that he's able to do in and through and around us things bigger than we could ever ask or think or imagine. Come on, would you lift your hands with me? We're gonna sing, this is how I fight my battles. And this is how we worship.